Hi everyone, it's Steph Davies here, Investment Director at Wealthy, and uh, I'm really excited to be taking over the Peter Esho podcast today. Uh, we're swapping seats and wonderful to be here with Pete in the studio to record our, our market thoughts and uh, have a nice chat. Hi Pete. Hey Steph, how are you? Very well. You've taken over my podcast. What's going on? (laughs) Well, we keep seeing all these media takeovers, so we thought we might try it. And um, and I'm really hoping that all your listeners enjoy today. Yeah, awesome. Steph and I were just, um, you know, having some lunch and we were just chatting about investment ideas. And we thought we'd jump into the studio and make an episode and share this knowledge with everybody. Yeah, I agree, Pete. I agree. Lots of conversations happen behind the scenes and sometimes that's where our best work probably happens, <laughs> probably right. takes place. That's right. Absolutely. And it's a really interesting time. Um, one of the things about this year has been just how important it is to connect with people and share ideas and just open and broaden. Um, I've learned so much. I've probably learned the most this year than I have ever in my life. So, you know, out of turmoil and out of uncertainty comes a great opportunity to learn. And, um, you know, our conversation is just a perfect example of that. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Pete. I um I could say that exactly the same for myself, but I've really loved seeing the sentiment change, whether it be in business or in life or just socially. Um, I've noticed a, a huge shift in, in community and, and how people interact with one another. And one of my favourite memories and, and I guess maybe even turning points this year was when we had some really great feedback at Wealthy from one of our team members, Jody, at the end of a call saying, take care to someone. And that's really resonated and stuck with me. A client then went out of their way to write into us with some really great feedback. But I think taking care of of those around you and, and in every interaction has rung true and and um, has been a good a good sort of tagline for 2020. Yeah, taking and taking care. care of yourself too, right? Because often, you know, we can fall into a trap of worrying and trying to please everybody um, and we sort of don't take time to take care of ourselves. So, um, you know, investing is, you know, we sit down on this podcast and talk about investing and a whole heap of different things, but investing is really about taking care of yourself um, because while money is not the most important thing in the world, it is important um, and it's important for those around you, those who are dependent on you and those who you love. So, um, that's a great introduction. Yeah, well, let's let's kick off. Let's get started. I'm really keen to let's share go. share with everyone uh, what your thoughts are, Pete, around investing over the next ten years. So I'm really keen to to have that discussion with you, and and in the first instance, get your thoughts on on what you're thinking about um, in the investment markets at the moment, what you're, what you're seeing, and and how you're thinking that um, the state of the market that we're in at the moment. It's interesting, Steph, because the game's changed and, you know, that's a tagline that I've used in a couple of podcasts this year, particularly with the wealthy team, but it's something that I fundamentally believe in. Um, You know, when we went to school and we studied economics and we studied literature and basically the system that had been designed that's given us this quality of life over the past hundred years, things have changed. Um, And we saw that this year. and, and, And I think what I want people to understand is first and foremost... We are in a different environment than what we have been used to. Um, you know, a patient who is put into ICU um, and gets a very different level of care. And when they come out of that surgery and they come out of experience, life changes, right? So if you have a traumatic health 
experience, your life post that is very different to your life pre that. And I think 2020 is a line in the sand where what we know, what we've known from investing and what we've been taught and the system that's been designed for us has changed. So when I talk, when I look forward, I'm really not looking forward with pre-2020 as my base case. I'm looking forward in a new world, new rules, new threats, but I'm so excited because there's new opportunities. So with that perspective, with a new lens, with a new view on life as someone who suffers that you know, health shock and then comes back and starts to appreciate the walks and the sun and the little things. Um, I think from an investment perspective, we've got to look forward and appreciate things that maybe we didn't appreciate and avoid things that we were binging on that we'll have to, you know, not go near into the future. And we can talk a little bit more about what, what those are. Yeah. Okay. Great, Pete. It sounds like you've been very busy this year. Thinking a lot. <laughs> Thinking a lot. Uh, but also moving moving and shaking. I know there's been lots of changes with Wealthy, lots of growth and lots of really exciting additions to not only the team but also to the various business opportunities that Wealthy has been pursuing. So so tell us a little bit about that. How has things changed and evolved this year? Well, we practice what we preach, right? So if we're saying that, you know, the world's going to look different, you need to invest differently into the future. As a business, we need to reflect and mirror that. We can't just go and offer people and work in the same way that we were previously. And so that filters down really from, um, you know, as as co-founders um, we have beliefs and as a team we sit down and we talk and you know that filters through into what we tell our clients um, and so a couple of the things that I think are really important so you know there's people listening to this saying okay well what do you mean right so how do I invest and and how do I start thinking differently like what does that mean practically for me I think one of the things um, Steph is when I grew up, um, I grew up, um, I was born in 1984, my, my parents were born in the 50s, so they grew up in an environment, in a post-war environment, where interest rates peaked in the 80s, you know, in the teens, you know, 15, 20%, and so my parents and the parents of, you know, my generation grew up in an environment where debt was bad because interest rates slugged people. When, when, when our parents... Well, the, well, my parents' generation were earning money and starting to grow. They got slugged. They, they, they came in in their 30s and 40s in an environment that was really punishing to the borrower. And so that filtered through, you know, debt being bad, avoid debt, don't borrow too much money. I can understand that because they paid a lot for the debt that they borrowed, right? And it was a time to be saving if you went and put your money in the bank. You got a nice return, and that made sense. But, but I, you know, in 1984, I was born, and so when I started coming into my working life, and a period where I was building wealth for my family and growing, and, and now, you know, growing our business and everything else, ever since I was born, and to this day, interest rates have been falling off a cliff. So my experience and my environment is in a is, is completely different to my parents. I'm being rewarded and encouraged to borrow money for investment and I'm being punished 
for saving. Because if I go and work and I put my money in the bank, the bank takes that, gives me half a percent if I'm lucky, and then it goes and it lends it to someone else who's willing to take risk and willing to go out and invest and is giving them my money to them at a higher rate. And that's how, you know, that's the game. So what we saw this year is um, despite the pandemic, despite all the bad health and economic news, interest rates continued to collapse and they are still falling. And you and I are recording this a week before the RBA in Australia is expected to cut rates again. And Europe and the United States, they're going negative. Negative, I didn't learn about negative rates at university because they didn't exist. So we're in an environment where you can go and borrow money for an investment at, call it 2%, mm. whereas my parents had to pay 20%. And so that's fundamentally different. I have to think about debt and the opportunities around debt very, very differently over the next 10 or 20 years. Otherwise, I'm going to fall behind. Yeah, that's exactly right. The opportunity cost of sitting on the sidelines compared to to someone that is taking risk. It's a really interesting way to think about it, Pete. Yeah, and then, you know, the counter argument to that is, okay, well, then what do I do? You know, if I go and borrow money, where do I invest it? And so debt's bad when when you, you, you're borrowing money to buy a pair of Nikes or buy a car or buy a diminishing asset because, um, you know, if I go to Commonwealth Bank and I borrow a thousand bucks and I go and buy, you know, an iPhone 11, I know, maybe it's two grand now, right? I don't even know. I, I, I've got a cheap phone. But um, if I go and buy an iPhone 11, I know with a high degree of certainty that that iPhone 11 is going to be worth half of what it is today in the next two years, right? It's going to fall by value. That's bad debt. That That's not an investment. What I'm advocating here is if I can go borrow money at 2% and buy something that's yielding me 3 or 4%, mm. that's actually, I'm creating value. Yeah, I'm going and buying an income stream that's going to pay, service my debt. It's probably going to pay a little bit towards my principal. And in 30 years' time, that's going to be an investment that's paid off in a world where investors are, will be continuing to look for more and more passive income, more and more ways to generate income. And so that's the kind of debt that I'm advocating, you know, looking for opportunities and using debt as a tool because governments around the world are doing it. We saw this year all around the world that governments are borrowing money and giving that money back to taxpayers through incentives, grants, job schemes. And so if the government of Australia, the government of the United Kingdom, the US, every developed country in the world is borrowing money to invest in their own asset base, which is taxpayers, why shouldn't I go and borrow money and invest that into the investments that make sense and that generate income for me? And so that's a principle that I think we need to adopt and we need to embrace into the future. And Pete, I am also presuming that we can we can adopt and, and take take that as encouragement in terms of what we are doing with our money and, and when we're when we're being encouraged by the government and by the RBA decision makers, then then it, it's supporting 
what what we're doing in our business and in our personal lives and investing in property and um, and looking forward to asset asset classes that do create that passive income and support and support our investment goals they want us to Mm. that's why you lower rates yeah you lower rates because you want people to invest you don't want people to save so every government around the world and every central bank is basically saying hey take money out and invest it that's a very powerful message you know some people see that and are responding to it some don't because of preconceived and and i think my children's generation and, and and going forward are going to understand it but our generation it's really important that's why i started by saying detach yourselves from the stigma of debt we're the first generation where interest rates have collapsed have fallen off a cliff and are going negative right so in the future people will understand that that's the game you know good debt and putting debt towards investments is the game and, and and what governments are doing today, they're going to do into the future. And so the smart cookies are embracing that. Um, some are just catching on to it. And my biggest fear is that there's people that will probably cling on to it too late mm. and realise the consequences of that. So, Pete, do you think that the changing... The changing nature of of the debt game and, and of borrowing money over the last gen- few years and, and our generation is making it harder for young people to get into the market because there's sometimes those handbrakes in the background, the handbrakes that come to the display suite or, or go and look at a property on a weekend and mm. and just and just keep keep their kids ho- holding back from buying and, and getting into the market. Yeah, hundred percent. There's a there's when it comes to big decisions in our lives, we always, they're, they're scary. And, um, you know, financial decisions are the scariest um, because we have an innate nature to avoid risk and particularly avoid risk that blows up or has catastrophic catastrophic impacts to us. And so what happens is when you're growing and you're investing, you tend to lean on those who you love and trust um, and they might not necessarily be the best people to advise you on investments. Um so family is, is a difficult one. Your family means, well, they love you, but they may not be financially literate or they may not understand the consequences because the environment that we are in today is different to the environment that they were in. So it's important to make that distinction. Um, you know, I say don't listen to that uncle that you have that's always telling you how to invest and they themselves are a horrible investor, right? As You wouldn't take... Um, smoking advice from you wouldn't take advice on quitting smoking from someone that smokes. You wouldn't take you know gambling advice from someone that gambles. And I think you should also not take financial and investment advice from someone who has absolutely no idea and they themselves haven't invested well. Um, I think there's another thing too, and and this is a really unfortunate thing. The financial system is designed to discriminate, and what I mean by that is if you're in a top end of town um if you're a high flyer you know if you've got access to corporate banking you can go and borrow money in a very different way that your average worker and your average employee goes and borrows money because when your average investor goes in and asks money the bank's going to give checks and balances and the law is designed to stop the bank from just lending everybody anything whereas the high end you know the guys on the upper end um, can go and borrow pretty much as much as they want. They're not held by the same rules. And that just means they go out and they 
borrow more, invest more, grow, they become richer and wealthier and it perpetuates that cycle. So there's something there. I think in the next five or 10 years, there's going to be a big income inequality because we're in a game where you can go and borrow for 2% and the high end of town can borrow a lot more than the low end of town. And you're going to have a lot of disgruntled people that miss the boat and say, hey, I've missed out. The value of everything has gone up. My quality of life's gone down. So, um, for, you know, focus on, on doing things well. Focus on, um, you know, getting your house in order. Build a really, really good team. Um, so I think having a great accountant, having a great mortgage broker, having great advisors, having great mentors, following people that are positive and invest well and practice what they preach. If you can do those little things well, I think you're probably 70 or 80% there. Hard work, be smart, new prism, new game, and invest. And I think that's 100%. That's a recipe for 100% success. That's really good insight, Pete. And I think uh, your listeners are very lucky to be getting this getting this <laughs> advice all I'm the time from you. I'm glad you um, Well, I'm, I'm certainly always going to be one of them. Now, Pete, we've talked about the the changing environment this year and and how to look at debt and how to and how um, we can structure ourselves for investing. What should we be investing in? What are the areas or markets that you are seeing seeing opportunities in? I think the, there's two types of investments. There's an investment you buy today with the hope of selling it more in the future. That's like buying gold art. Uh, you buy horses, right? So, so yeah. guys, Steph's an awesome investor because she goes and buys horses, trains them, and then sells them um, in a really, really, you know, smart way. And and they don't make you money. They probably cost you a little bit of money along the way, right? And you get your money on the back end when you sell it. Yeah, that's right. So that's an investment that's a little bit hard. Um, you need to make sure you're buying the right thing. You need to make sure that you get your timing right. You know, you can buy gold at two thousand dollars an ounce, and and know and be right about it going up in the future. But if in a year's time you need that money and it's down at sixteen hundred, well, bad luck, you've just lost, right? So that's a different kettle of fish. Uh, it's like buying Bitcoin, buying all those things. Then there's a second class of assets which I love, and they are assets that generate income for you. So I want to buy something that pays me, that puts money in my pocket. Because then it means I can go and borrow money to buy that thing and the income's paying my interest, servicing my loan. So I'm getting pretty much a free hit. So real estate we love and real estate we came into because that it's a great way to generate passive income, right? The income's not huge, but if you can generate 4 or 5% return, you can go and borrow money at 2 or 3%. It's a nice space to be. But then there are other types of investments opening up. You know, there are different ways that you can start generating passive income. And I think that that's the most, that's the most, most attractive space. Because, Steph, we're in a world where you didn't need that before. You can go and put money in the bank. If you were my folks, you could have gone and put money in the bank and got 10% on return. Today you can't. You get zero, which means you have to go and find the things that will give you 10% return which means that if you're onto these things early in two, three, four, five years' time when everyone else realizes, aha, COVID's done and dusted, we've got a vaccine, we've moved on, shit, I need to actually get a return on my money. What am I investing in? 
those that moved early are going to be the same as the guys that went and bought Bitcoin early. When Bitcoin was like, what the hell? What the heck is that? <laughs> but if you go bought Bitcoin at like five bucks and it's now 10, 15,000 a Bitcoin, the early movers will be rewarded. So my focus isn't on the things that you buy and sell higher in the future. I'm still investing in things like that. I'm investing in gold. I fundamentally believe in gold and I'm building a position in gold. But I'm really excited about investments that give passive income, real estate and others. And cash is cash is well cash flow is king. I, I don't want to say cash is king because it's no longer cash is trash, but um cash flow, you're right. Something that continues to put cash in my pocket. The game is I don't want it to stay in my pocket. I want yeah. it to go out and work for me. Yeah, and, and work while you sleep. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Now we've uh, we've been expanding the wealthy portfolio in terms of various opportunities that we are seeing Australia-wide, which has been really exciting. Is there anything in particular that you're looking at and, and you love? I know we have this conversation every day, but yeah. um, I'd love to share it with, with your listeners. I think that's really exciting what we're looking at. Uh, I, I still believe real estate, uh, residential real estate's cheap. Um, so some people might be like, what are you talking about? It costs a million dollars to buy a house, you know, five, six hundred grand to buy an apartment. Whether something's cheap or expensive, it's not the price tag, right? It's what it puts into your pocket. So if if a piece of real estate in Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, um, you know, London, New York, San Francisco, wherever you are, if you can buy in an established area that people are going to continue to live in, work in, and you can generate a return of 4 or 5%, I think that's a fantastic investment. I think that's a cheap investment. You're getting a really good deal, right? Because you can go and borrow at 2 or 3% and basically set and forget. So you can switch into that. So to me, um, bricks and mortar, um, they, were, they were good enough for my 82-year-old grandmother um, who always taught me to buy real estate. And if they were good for, for her grandmother and on and on and on, you know, residential real estate, people have been buying and trading for thousands of years millions of years um stocks um and other types of investments i think were over financialized so i fundamentally believe that we have too much exposure to the stock market um if you have a look at our superannuation and our retirement savings a lot of that's exposed to stocks and stocks are fine but you don't want to be overexposed because when the stock market falls or rises you basically have you know you're at the mercy of that and so what we're doing is we're looking and saying, okay, um, residential real estate investment's great. What else? You know, what can then give you your five, six, seven, eight, ten percent return? And we're not there yet, but that's where we're looking. Um, and just because we're not there yet, it doesn't mean we won't get there. You know, investing is all about having vision, knowing where you want to go. And um, you know, if you ain't looking, you won't find it. So that's the sort of philosophy that we have at the moment. It's really exciting. I'm very much looking forward to the next 12 months in real estate. Where do you see the markets taking us over the next one to 10 years, Pete? You tell me. What do you like? Well, I I find it really hard to answer that question with an unbiased opinion because I'm always thinking about how I can grow my own portfolio. The next step for me is I really like the commercial and industrial space. Um, originally, if you had have asked me three months ago, I had my heart set 
on a three-bedroom apartment in Sydney that I wanted to completely renovate and do a big project on. Yeah. <laughs> but like always, I'm thinking uh, big picture and now I've sort of changed my strategy around around income um, and, and looking at my cash flow across all my properties. So I think that's the next step for me and the next question is going to be where. Mm, I think for me... Um... I don't, I don't really get caught up. I'm a little bit different. I'm, I'm very much a numbers guy. Um, so some people are visual. They see the property. They see the bricks, mortar, the facade. I look at the numbers and then it's, it's the bricks, mortar, facade, complement that, right? So I'm a little bit um, different to that. I think, I think where the market will go is... Yeah, we're going to go through this discovery. It's like a tornado, right? We're in the eye of a, of a tornado or a storm and it's still going. It hasn't, it hasn't settled. And, you know, we're looking through it. We're saying, okay, it'll pass um, and it will pass and there'll be damage and we'll work through that damage and town will get rebuilt and it'll be better and we'll build defenses. And that's sort of how we think. But we're still sort of in the eye of the storm. Um, and so what I think is um, the the safest investments will hold up in this market. Um, and so you should really buy the highest quality thing that you can afford. Um, we have a culture where when, it, when we're looking to buy a car, we don't want to buy the cheapest car. People don't want to go and buy that Chinese car that's like 12 grand, right? They want to go and buy, not everybody, but I'm generalizing. But if you have a look at car sales, they're people that are buying Mazdas and Hondas and Hyundais and Mercs and Beamers and everybody aspires to have a Lamborghini. And when it comes to clothing, we don't buy the cheapest clothes. You know, we want to have a sense of, of, of quality and we don't buy the cheapest food and we don't buy the cheapest phones. Well, I'll buy the cheapest phone, but yeah, generally we don't. And I think it's, it's, it's really wrong to, when it comes to investments, try to buy the cheapest investment, you know, try to compromise on quality. You should buy the cheapest car, wear a cheap pair of jeans, wear a cheap pair of sneakers to an extent, right? Well, you don't, you don't want to compromise on your lifestyle, but um, you want to save on those things and then go and invest in the best assets. So I think quality will be, people will overpay for quality in the next five years. We, we're in an uncertain world and certainty is now a premium and, and you want to invest in things that have certainty to them. So what has certainty? Something in an established market, something with established infrastructure, um, something uh, with established price history. So you don't want to go into an area that's too new where there isn't price discovery, there's uncertainty, you know, one thing can fundamentally change things. You want an investment that's anti-fragile. You know, if there is bad stuff going on, it's okay. It'll stand up on its own two feet. And so that's why I love Sydney. Um, I like Melbourne. I like Brisbane, close to the city, close to infrastructure, um, you know, 4 or 5% yield, set and forget. You can't go wrong. Sounds great, Pete. Where do I sign? <laughs> you know where to sign. <laughs> Pete, thank you so much for uh, having me on your podcast today. I've really enjoyed taking over. Nice to nice to chat. Is there anything I've forgotten? No, not really. Thank you so much um, for this opportunity to chat. Um, it's it's um, it's a it's great to share these notes um, and you've done such a great job. Maybe we should do this again, Steph. <laughs> I'd love that.
Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Faith.